This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right here on Lives at TV, and I am so excited about our next guest. We have seen a lot of things going on in our world since the uh, lockdowns, the quarantine, the COVID-19 response from the federal government and our local government officials. And some of the things have been, well, I guess you would say natural consequences stemming out of people being locked up in their homes. Some of the things have been really beautiful to see, a sense of community, a, a reemergent sense of family. But speaking of family, there is an article up, How the COVID-19 Lockdowns Will Increase Resentment of the Elderly, over at the Mises Wire of the Mises Institute. And I'm so pleased to welcome Ryan McMacken. He is the senior editor there and a fellow. And welcome to the show, Ryan. Hi, it's great to be with you. It's great to talk to you. I, I love what you're saying here. You're examining, um, first of all, it, this is a natural tendency. We want someone to blame when things happen. We, we want to have someone that we can say, this is attributable to them, or, uh, you know, it kind of gives us someone to kind of direct our anger or our resentment or whatever. But there's a huge connection, which is ageism, which is, it's a serious problem because so much of our knowledge base is centralized within elderly people. And yet here we are with this really interesting phenomenon, which is that COVID-19 really impacts older people in the most vicious way. Right. And I think the problem is that it's been politicized now. Um, some other writers have written some topics on how ageism is, is there and the prevalence of the disease among the elderly could could make that worse. But I think maybe if, if we're looking for one factor that's going to really exacerbate the problem, it's the fact that now people are facing a uh, political system that in the minds of many uh, will be a system that came out of uh, government uh, lockdowns and government actions, arrests, fines, jailings, and so on, that many people will recognize as really benefiting primarily one particular group. Um, now, some people will just, that'll just roll off their backs and so on. But I think as time goes on, and as uh, people are unemployed longer, as the economic hardship uh, becomes greater, people will probably be less forgiving then of those people who they see as maybe benefiting from these government-imposed um, laws or uh, edicts, really, that are shutting down businesses and causing mass unemployment in many cases. And so I can see the resentment then increasing those. I think it would be less had the system not been uh, turned into a political matter where police were out there arresting people. I think it had been an issue of this is something that we need to do. We need to isolate ourselves from the vulnerable and we need to take care. We need to wear masks and so on. That would be one thing. But now you've got people who actually are fearing state action and when you see that, that that state action that you might end up paying thousands of dollars in fines uh, because one particular group is especially vulnerable, I think that can breed uh, political So Ryan, resentment. how do you think the current 
forced economic shutdown, coupled with the fact you mentioned the arrests of people who are out, you know, alone walking on the beach or sitting in their car alone, clearly not at risk to anyone else. Um, they're being arrested, levied fines, things like that. How do you see actions like that actually amplifying ageism while we're dealing with the coronavirus? Well, I go ahead. The, the issue is just that it's been politicized and that there are so many issues associated with people who feel that they're basically being coerced into this position. And so um, there's, it's just that's going to lead then, I think, to more resentment than you would have had otherwise if it had been really a social situation where people are feeling that this was really their social duty. Yeah, so I, the ageism is something that when we look at it, um, it doesn't serve any any good use because in the end, we still need people at both ends of the spectrum, young workers and older workers. We need all portions of our society to be working together. Um, and the ageism just is another inflection point for division, which is terrible right now. We already have enough dividing lines politically and socioeconomically without adding in ageism. Um, so I, I know in your piece, you talk about people being aware that the elderly are at the greatest risk of contracting COVID-19. You mentioned that over 50% of the deaths have occurred in nursing homes, 80% of the deaths occur in those who are over the age of 65. What do you recommend to combat this so that you know people can kind of change their focus or change the way they're thinking about how we're facing the pandemic so that we don't increase ageism? Well, you just have to really end the, the political punishments that come along with it. You have to stop jailing people. You have to stop fining people. You have to stop sending in health bureaucrats who will shut down businesses and end livelihoods um, because that's really what, what exacerbates the problem. And on top of that is the fact that the democratic element of this has been completely abolished as well as there's you, it doesn't do you any good to call your legislator. It doesn't do you any good to call your city council person. Uh, because these decisions are being made by a tiny number of people, um, some of whom uh, are governors, but they may not be up for re-election for many years. Um, but in many cases, these decisions are made by unelected, shadowy people. You have no idea who they even are uh, or who they're answerable to. And uh, so that's just going to breed the resentment as well. So I, you talk about social cohesion, and I think that's something that a lot of us are concerned about because, well, first of all, we're all stuck at home. So we're working from home. We're going to church from home. Um, we get to venture out to shop, but we can't see each other's faces because we're wearing masks. And I, I'm, I'm not against wearing not against the social distancing. I would like to see some information that shows us how effective it is so we're not engaging in these activities with you know no demonstrable result. But I mean, for now... I think these are all great measures for us to take, but what would you say to people who are they're just as frustrated as you and I are over the administrative state and the expansion of it? What would you say is the best thing a person can do um, to push back against this? It, it, it's just, it's kind of crazy to see these things happening in America, right, Ryan? I mean, it's this is not South Korea. This isn't North Korea. We are not in a place where we don't have rights, yet we are being treated as if we don't have constitutional rights. And I know there's a case out in Texas where a judge has just recently said the stay-at-home order is unconstitutional, but are we gonna have to have a lawsuit in every state to stop them from arresting us for sitting in our car and watching the sunset? Or, or do you think it'll it, another form of pushback would work? 
Well, I think it somewhat depends on what your position is in life. I mean, if you have to uh, earn a living for uh, your children, for your family, you're, you're going to have certain priorities that you're going to have to do. If you're younger and you have fewer people who depend upon you economically, uh, you might be able to participate uh, in more pushback and protests and so on. Or maybe if you have a business that uh, you'd like to open anyway, you could do it. People who probably have children, um, depending on them having a business license, uh, may be more risk averse. And so I don't think there's any one thing uh, that you can really do. You can attempt, I think, to, as time goes on, really try to apply more political pressure to the people who are making these decisions. But again, you're just so limited uh, in that. I, I think the number one thing you do is not forget about this the next time uh, elections come up. And uh, as much as uh, there's disdain now for democracy, uh, I, think, I think they can't get away with really just pushing off elections. Those are almost certainly going to happen. And, uh, and don't let these people off the hook for that. Um, they, they haven't taken input from the legislatures in many cases. They're not taking input from the public. Um, they're claiming that they're, they're making just science-based decisions. But what that means is that they're making decisions that take uh, into account uh, or do not take into account the psychological and medical effects of uh, making people unemployed, of keeping them locked in their homes, of uh, taking away their political rights and so on. All of those things have health effects. They cause massive amounts of stress. They've taken away institutions the society depend upon, uh, such as churches, schools, public and private in many cases. And uh, people have just been told uh, to sit at home uh, rather than to make their own individual risk assessments. And those, of course, who make a incorrect risk assessment, according to the government then, are liable to fines, maybe even jailing. Uh, and you can go ahead and just keep on living your life as, as well as you can. And that's probably what most people are going to end up doing. I don't think this is going to be an issue where it's overcome uh, because of organized protests and that, and that sort of thing. I think it's mostly going to be overcome as it becomes uh, apparent that most people are just going to ignore uh, a lot of these edicts, that people are just going to go where they want and, and do what they want to do. And the shame is that actually, and a lot of people, people will feel the need um, to go against a lot of these just, just common sense notions of wearing masks when you're, when you're near the elderly or washing your hands frequently and so on, that it'll somehow become a sign of... Uh, opposition to the state, that you don't do these things. And, and that's a situation the state has, cre has created. Uh, Ryan, the point you're making there about people having a backlash, this is the natural human response to being over-controlled. Um, we see it, it, it begins to emerge as early as, you know, when babies are 10 or 11 months old and they don't feel like they're being treated fairly, babies will have tantrums, toddlers will have tantrums, and adults will have a response as well, which is that they will go against the recommended or required action in a, in a way just to say, I don't think I'm being treated fairly. And so the points you're making here are, are golden. I'm, I'm so glad that you're writing over at the Mises Institute and keeping this in front of our minds because it, I think it creeps up on us. I think ageism, just like any other ism, it starts with a valid concern or something wrong that's happened, especially for the people who've been arrested and fined. Um, and then it begins to creep outward in our thoughts and works its way into our actions. And that's what we want to avoid. We don't want ageism in response to this. We, we really want to have our elected officials begin to behave 
as if they understand that we have a constitution. And the people who aren't elected should not be the ones ultimately who have all of the decision-making power, which is what your piece says. We link to the piece in today's show notes, and I hope you guys will click through and take a look at it. And if you agree, tweet it out, spread the word. Let's keep this in front of mind that we don't want to blame people. We want to blame uh, actual individuals who are taking actions against us and then take appropriate response by voting or whatever the case might be. Ryan McMakin, and Mises Institute Senior Editor, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. All right. You know what? That's the show for today. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com, at StaceyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram. And I'll be back with you shortly. Have a great evening.